don't sound good, son. Yes, I am a pirate. You have to go with the pirates because, of course, they have cannons and everything. It's a pirate's life for me. Be proud of who you are and what you are. You're pirate. It is a first down. Because when you're in East Carolina, you go for it every time. Or you don't coach in East Carolina, you don't come to East Carolina, you don't play in East Carolina with a weak heart. Write it. I think I've ever been in a building as loud as that was. It was deafening in there. You will get them off. I can promise you that. You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for pirates. Welcome into the Sports Objective. We're coming to you here on a Tuesday night, just two and a half weeks from the start of the East Carolina baseball season. And tonight we're talking pirate baseball in a variety of ways. The first half hour, we're joined by a former ECU strength and conditioning coach on the baseball side, and that is Brandon Golden from the Ghost Lab and the Ghost Travel Ball Organization. Brandon, how are you? I'm doing great, Bubba. Thanks for having me. Yeah, appreciate your time. appreciate you, uh, you know, spending a half hour or so with us tonight, taking a trip down memory lane uh, with the Pirates, but then also what you have going on now. So uh, you are a 2012 ECU alum. Yep. And so for folks uh, you know, who haven't heard from you before, uh, maybe they've heard the name, but tell folks about your association with East Carolina University. Yeah, you know, like you said, you know, went to undergrad at East Carolina, graduated in 12, um, was you know an intern strength coach, at a couple of different places. I'm sure we'll kind of get into that a little bit, you know, had a career and then got to, was fortunate enough to come back to East Carolina and be a part of, like you said, the, the baseball program there and help out with, you know, several different sports and, you know, then went on to professional baseball and you got to work with the Dodgers. And, you know, like, like you said, I'm back here in high point working, you know, owning our own facility at the ghost lab and we were, we're starting some travel teams and got a few pirates helping us out a little bit there. So yeah, we're, it's kind of come full circle a little bit. I know your undergrad degree was in, in health and fitness. Is that correct? Yep. And then you had a master's from St. John's, obviously very proud baseball tradition there and having the opportunity to work with Coach Blankmeyer. Uh, when did that uh, desire to uh, work in strength and conditioning, first of all, but then also college baseball? And how did that come about? Yeah. So when when I was uh, when I left East Carolina, came back home, started interning at High Point University. Um, so prior to that, I was actually working at High Point Hospital as like a, almost like an intern with respiratory and cardiac therapy. That's what I thought I wanted to do. Uh, my dad had emphysema and, you know, I was like, hey, I want to help people you know, that have breathing issues and, and cardiac issues and things like that, kind of help them get back on their feet. And that I found out quickly that wasn't for me. And, you know, like I said, got to be over at High Point University, was there for a year and a half, went down to Mississippi State, and you know, was my first team that I was with, and the team that I was with mainly was baseball. And just watching the way that the weight room and performance, and just all of strength conditioning and everything that we can do, you know, as strength coaches and performance coaches, that played into the product on the field. 
it was fascinating to me. And that's, you know, kind of where, where it, it took hold from the baseball side of things. And then, you know, to your point, went up to St. John's and, you know, I was with baseball again and, you know, somebody, one of the full-time staff members who was training baseball left and I ended up being, you know, the strength and conditioning coach for baseball as a graduate assistant and doing very similar things that I did as an assistant, you know, with, in my time at East Carolina. So it just went that way and, and stuck. And now I'm the baseball guy, one of them. So during your time at Mississippi State, um, that was with John Cohen? Yep, yep. So and Coach Cohen was the head coach. Uh, Minge, was, Minge was the third base coach. Um, coach Butch Thompson was the pitching coach. And, yeah, Brian Neal was the, was the head strength coach who has kind of been, been in the game for a long time. And he was at, at Virginia Tech a little bit. But, yeah, great staff and great, great opportunity and some awesome players. And it was a whole lot of fun down there in Starkville. Yeah, not not a bad place to uh, kind of cut your teeth in the business. Not at <laughs> there, all. Uh, there at Mississippi State, um, what a beautiful ballpark. Um, unfortunately, did not have the opportunity to go when East Carolina played there in that midweek game. You had the spring break swing uh, with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. I believe Tuesday, Wednesday, Starkville, then Oxford. Uh, my dad and a couple of his friends uh, made that trip, and uh, that was definitely one for the ages. Yeah, that was a fun one. That was a fun one. It was cold. It was cold, but it was good to be down there. You know, um, the stadium was completely different from, you know, my time there. It was – obviously, it's a beautiful park, what they've done down there. But, you know, for me, like the nostalgia of, like, having the trucks out back and, you know, things like that up against the wall was really cool. And, I mean, obviously, it's it's better than a lot of AAA parks in the country. But, you know, be able to play – for our guys to be able to play in that atmosphere, in that environment, and then, you know, get on the bus and go over to, to Oxford and, you know, Cooch had a pretty good – Pretty good start to that game, and we we ended up getting the W down there in Oxford, so it was fun. Yeah, Cooch had a, a decent day. Uh, what eight and two thirds of yeah, perfect, pretty- base, perfect baseball, or at least hit, hitless baseball. And it was. Then- hit, I, I'm ninety nine percent sure it was hitless. I don't know if it was perfect, but yeah, it right. was. Ryder and I were talking about that the other day. It was a pretty good outing, I would say. And and then of course, uh, what ten days, two weeks later, he, he went up. After a solid midweek outing in relief, I think it was against Duke, went up and did did what he did at Maryland, and um, my dad was lucky enough to be at that one as well. Oh yeah, yeah, no, that was awesome. And you know, we were talking before we got rolling, Bob, about Corey Mascara, and you know, my relationship with him. Corey was actually you know the pitching coach at Maryland then. So when Cooch you know did that, they, they were they sent him the rubber, and he made a lamp out of it and everything. But I think it was like a week later. And, I texted texted Moose and was like, "Hey man, like I need a I need one of those Maryland balls." And he's like, "What are you talking about?" And I was like, "Just mail me a ball with the Maryland logo on it." So I have a ball. It's it's not behind me right now, but it's at the house with that Cooch sign for me that you know has the Maryland logo on it. So it's pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah, logo. really really cool that uh, now after having a perfect game thrown against you, that the, they that uh, they did that for Cooch. Uh, yeah, trying to remember how many that was uh, in college baseball history but he's part of an elite club yeah i believe it was 29 okay i knew i thought it was right there around 30 but i i wasn't i was second guessing myself there but yeah i'm positive either but again i was talking with somebody the other day and i believe i mean i'm pretty sure his number was 29 in college i think that was that was the number of uh, perfect games at that point in time but uh, after that experience at mississippi state with coach cohen uh Tell us how you you wound up uh, choosing St. John's for your 
to, to get your masters there and the experience there you had over what, at least two, maybe three seasons with coach blank Meyer, who's just a legend in the game. Yeah. So came back home. Uh, I interned one of the guys who was an assistant at high point university was an assistant over at wake forest. So I got to go over to wake uh, for that summer and intern with the basketball team with coach Ryan Horn. And then, you know, do a little bit with a lot of the Olympic sports and, you know, just trying to figure out, you know, where, where was I going to go? What would, what were the things that I was looking for in a graduate assistantship? And it was, you know, school paid for and the ability to coach. So to be, to be on the floor, learning, coaching, being a part of something. And that was, that was the school that gave me the best opportunity. There was a potential opportunity to stay at Mississippi state, but um, my mentor, Brian Neal, like I was talking about a minute ago was like, I mean, we can talk about you maybe staying here if you really want to. He was like, but like, you need to go out and you need to learn something different. You need to be in a different environment. And when he said that it, it kind of, took hold, you know, in my thought process and, and what I was looking for was, okay, I grew up in the South. I've been in the South my entire life, you know, was down in Starkville. I'm back here. It's like, where would I be the most uncomfortable? And it's like, well, I mean, New York city, like the, in Jamaica, Queens and, you know, being a part of the Northeast is just a completely different lifestyle than, you know, anything that I've lived uh, that I had lived up until that point. And, you know, when I got the opportunity to go there and, you know, work with that staff and, you know, like I was saying a little bit earlier, like things just worked out to where, you know, next thing I know I'm traveling with the team and I'm, you know, I'm setting up things from a nutrition standpoint and you're meeting with ADs and you're doing a lot of things that, you know, I was doing as a full-time assistant. It was, it was pretty awesome to, to have the opportunity to, to be with Blanks, Moose, coach Mike Hampton, who's the head coach there now. And, you know, a lot of the other support staff who's still in the game. It was pretty cool. Yeah, obviously St. John's a proud baseball tradition. And, um, you know, I recall during those years and you guys came and played in the Keith LeClaire Classic. I think it was, it was Cliff's first or second year. Uh, and, and we were discussing off the air before we went live. I think that was when Michigan, you know, ran into the, the snow and yeah. uh, they, they were unable to make it to Greenville. And then you had UNCG filling in. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, you're right. That was, I believe that was in 15. We came down. Uh, it was funny, rode a, rode a bus. We went down and played at Charleston Southern and then came up and played Greenville. I remember getting, getting, or played at East Cal. I remember getting into Greenville um, in the middle of the night. And these guys are like from New Jersey and you know, all over the place up north. And they're hollering at me, like, where are we? Like, I was like, hey, we're almost there, boys. Like, coming in from, from uh from charleston it was it was pretty funny but it was it was fun it was exciting for me to you know be back but that program you know right there with yukon and a select few in the northeast um as far yeah. as you know, the kind of the standard and uh making it to to super regionals in the ncaa tournament on a consistent basis but um during those years um in addition to to cutting your teeth with the red storm you also had the chance to work for Team USA Collegiate, uh, something East Carolina fans definitely know a lot about. Um, with most, most recently, Trey Savage pitching for them last summer. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah, it was it was awesome. Um, you know, Blanks was the was the head coach. Um, you know, there was a lot of a lot of really high level head coaches that were on that staff: Paul Maneri, Elliot Avent. Um, Rich Hill, like there was just so many different people that were a part of that 
that staff and being able to, you know, meet them, learn from them, sit next to them on the bus as we're going to Charlotte and, you know, just doing, having those three to four weeks to just learn about the game of baseball and learn how they coach, who they are as people in that type of environment where you're not playing against each other. And, you know, obviously the talent that was there, I'm, I'm looking at, you know, the jersey I got from that year, and there's probably six or seven big leaders names on that jersey right there. And it's a, it was a pretty cool experience. And, you know, to to be in the dugout in the Knights, Charlotte Knights Stadium on the 4th of July, playing Cuba, I want to say we won 9-2 to two with the USA chant. Like, doesn't get much better than that. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry about that. But, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get much better than that with a USA chant, you know, on, uh, on 4th of July and in fireworks. You talk about before you went to, to St. John's wanting a unique experience. So describe that unique experience and you know, what were some takeaways you had from a legend like Coach Blankmeyer and then uh, you know, just the way you grew on during that few years there? Yeah, I mean, the the, the unique side of things was was definitely, um, you know, the weight room was downstairs in Karnasaka Arena. I mean, that's a, that's an old building where it's right on the outside of you know, of the basketball stadium where, you know, Mully, Chris Mullins played and Mark Jackson, like all those guys, you know, they came through the St. John's basketball program. It was, you know, down and you didn't know if it was sunny outside, if it was raining, if there was three feet of snow outside, you had no idea. Um, we had a aux gym where there was two cages that would drop down from the ceiling where we would go live in. And then there was a room, we called it the mirror room, where there was a bunch of mirrors where the dance team would do stuff. So, I mean, nowhere near the facilities um, that we had when I was, you know, at East Carolina and, you know, some of these other programs, but, you know, we just made it work and we had you know, different challenges. Like our guys didn't have, you know, a nutritionist uh, food, like things like that. Like I would go down to the local BJ's blanks would give me his credit card or, you know, the team P card or whatever and say that I'd go get peanut butter and jellies. I was like, Hey, these guys have to eat. We have to figure out how to get them fueling. We had chocolate milk coming. We had honey stingers from, you know, from, from campus dining, like I would literally go over there with a hand truck and get cases of milk and bring it over. And, you know, we would, you know, throw it in a fridge that I got, I talked somebody into donating and, you know, it was just, uh, it was a really unique way of, it was kind of like, Hey, you got to figure it out. And this, this is what we have, but like, we still have to go out and compete against these people. And, you know, we did, and we were in the, in the regional final against Arkansas and the Oklahoma state regional that year. So, I mean, as far as like the uniqueness of it, it was just, uh, like here, here's the task at hand. The task is to go out, train the guys at the highest level, be a part of the program, help develop. You know, I was with Corey Mascara almost daily watching video with Bone, with Danny Benedetti, our volunteer, like doing so much, just learning the game and how to support them. Um, you know, people talk about this all the time and, you know, the performance staff, the strength and conditioning, the athletic training, that entire staff is a, is a support staff to the coaches and the players and, you know, I took that to heart, especially early on in my career was like, if I can make the staff, if I can give them some information that's going to allow them to do their job better, which is going to allow them to coach our players better or develop them, it's going to behoove the entire program and we're going to be in a situation that we all want to be in. So just understanding and learning how to do that at a, at a young age in my career was was definitely unique and something that I treasure. Like it was something that was very valuable to me. I guess it was there late in 2016, uh, following Cliff's second year uh, with the Pirates and coming off a, a super regional 
birth against Texas Tech, where the Pirates were literally 90 feet from Omaha on multiple occasions, and um, the opportunity arose for, for you to to come home, so to speak, uh, very early on in your career. And you take us back, I guess, what about eight years ago, seven years ago, and what was that like? How did how did that uh, all transpire? Yeah, that's. I mean, I remember. I remember that game. Um, I remember we were. I was a strength coach, as an assistant at Charleston Southern. Uh, my wife and I were staying. We were living with my boss and his family at the time, uh, Chad Scott, who's the head strength and conditioning coach at Liberty now. Um, and we there was they lived in this little neighborhood and right out in Somerville. It's called Nexton, where you could you know, get in a golf cart, drive down to a little restaurant. And so we were at this little restaurant bar eating dinner, watching the Pirates play. And, you know, a couple of weeks later, you know, I knew I, I saw there was a position open at East Carolina. Um, I actually knew Blaine Kinsley from, you know, being you know in the area and just being in the field. And I came down to visit Coach C at one point in time. And Blaine took me out to the stadium and took me through the the uh, the A marches, A skips, all the different lunges, everything that, you know, Coach C had a lot of the players doing. And, could hardly feel my legs. They were shaking, but I'd known Blaine for years. And so I texted him and asked him, um, Hey, like what, what position is this? Is this something I'd be qualified for? And he was like, it's my job. And so then I reached out to, you know, everybody that I knew, including the, the staff from, from USA baseball, coach Avent, Paul Maneri, Eric Campbell, blanks, like everybody I had anybody and everybody that, and Cliff will tell you this, like anybody and everybody that I knew that I thought, would be able to reach out to him on my behalf. I had them do and pulled every string to try to get an interview. So once you were able to, to land the position, of course, I mean, as I mentioned, coming off of the very successful 2016, you know, coach Godwin, you know, such high expectations. And, and, uh, you know, we've, we've heard in it. I mean, East Carolina baseball is what it is for a reason. I mean, that's because, right because it starts with Cliff and the, the standard that he has for the program. So give us a glimpse behind the curtain, you know, what, what it's like, I mean, and, and, and you uh, know, what coach Godwin you know, just um, excels at as far as holding the bar so high. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a, it's a great point. I mean, I think the 20, I mean, he's CG's talked about this a lot, but 2017 played a, a big role in, in the culture that's there today. And, you know, how, how things have transpired. I mean, I'll never forget one of my first, you know, times being on the field, like media day and stuff like that. And people were telling me how we were you know, preseason number six in the country and we were going to Omaha and not, you know, returning nine seniors and, you know, all of these different things. And it was, it was eye opening, and it was, um, that year was a lot. Like that was a pretty stressful year, obviously. Um, we're, we're not used to losing as, as pirates and, you know, part of that program, but we, we got our uh, we we got beat around a little bit at times, and and I think that played into you know how how coach set things up moving forward, and just the attention to detail and the way that he demanded it from all of us, not just the players. Um, you know, my first son was born August twenty fourth of twenty seventeen, so like right there in that that fall time, and you know there was times where, you know, I was 28 at the time and you had a brand new baby and, you know, he, he would have the guys do daily schedules. And at one point he called me in the office and he's like, Hey, you know, I think this is a really good thing for you to do. Like, I know you're, you've got a lot going on, but like, I need, 
I need you to be at a certain level of your game. So we, we as a, as an organization can have the things that we need from you and from that position. And it was at the time, it was kind of like, man, like he's telling me I need to write down everything I'm going to do like at six o'clock, seven o'clock, but it was super, super beneficial. And it's something that I still do when I feel myself, you know, getting overwhelmed or if I have too much stuff going on, like, I mean, today, for example, went, went over to Wake Forest, Gavin was throwing a bullpen, had some personal things I had to run by and check on my mom. Um, she's in the hospital right now, but, you know, then it was able to come back, watch a couple bullpens, you know, so I was able to kind of uh, over the past you know week or so, as things start to get a little fast, like I just plan my stuff out. So back to your point, um, you know, Cliff, he's very specific with, with what he wants. At least he was with me and how, how the, the person and the personnel within the organization are going to play a role in the development and the ultimate wins and losses on the field. So, you know, he, he does a great job of empowering people and giving them the autonomy to do what they feel like is, is best within their, within their position. So it was a, it was a really fun time early on in my career, but it was also one where like, again, like, I feel like I feel pretty lucky with the way my career has gone because you look at the way you know, I was able to do things early on at St. John's and then I get to East Carolina and, you know, I'm working for, for coach C and CG who are very specific coaches in the way they want things done. And they're two of the best to ever do what they do. Like coach C is one of the best, if not you know, the best as far as speed goes in college football and all of athletics what coach G has done on the field at East Carolina speaks for itself. And to be a part of that and have those two guys molding me early on was, was special. I remember it well, um, as you mentioned, after that 2017 conference tournament, the Pirates made a run, came up shy against Houston and coach Godwin just said that ad nauseum, you know, throughout the off season and going into the, the 2018 season that, I really don't think we would be where we are had it not been for that. As as much as that loss hurt at the time, I wouldn't change a thing. Right. So, and you could definitely, you know, as someone, you know, who who did have a you know coaching and you know playing background, as strange as it sounded, I, I understood where he was coming from um, because you know just it gave you a perspective, and you know a desire to, you know, do those uh, introspective things to, to assess yourself that you, you know, if we win that and go on to the NCAA tournament for, you know, a third, a third straight year, uh, you know, even if we did finish on dead last in the regular season, we may not have had the same perspective. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I remember the first time I heard him say it too, and it was kind of, it was kind of like, you're like, you double take like, wait, what did he just say? But yeah, I completely agree that, without that and the amount of preparation that you know went in from the entire coaching staff and the accountability and just the little things that we did um, you know on a daily basis to to get our guys ready for the 18th season yeah I, I agree I don't think I don't think pirate baseball is where it's at without that season you talk about accountability a moment ago you referenced your son being born in August of 2017 and shortly after that is the fall semester is getting cranked up you know, one of the things we always hear about and how it lays the foundation for the upcoming season is, is mission week. Uh, 
talk about your role with with that. Uh, not only do you develop the guys physically, but then also um, that mindset, uh, mental toughness, and uh, all the things that are required in order to be successful in, in the spring and, and make make that you know, trip to Omaha and hopefully win a national championship. Right. I mean, M- Mission Week is a it's a really big deal, and people that you know, haven't been a part of the program and lived it and been involved in it may not necessarily understand it, but like it means something. And, you know, just like, you know, just like the Pirates mission and everything that's, it's involved in that, you know, how we do anything is how we do everything. And, you know, the way that coach G feels about, and then felt about like, Hey, we're going to be tougher than everybody. We're going to do things that people aren't doing. We're going to challenge ourselves mentally, physically, emotionally. So when it's time to go out there in the spring and compete that, yeah, that's easy. Like we want to challenge our guys to where, you know, when it's time to compete, they know that they're more prepared than the other team in the other dugout. And we were every time we stepped out there um, and the wins and losses proved it. But I mean, I guess as far as, you know, my involvement, I was very involved in it. My first year, um, Coach Rozelle helped out a lot with it and, you know, had some things that, you know, the staff with, with Blaine and you know, other folks on staff that, that did before I got there. And then, you know, as I was there a little bit longer, it was, you know, mostly mine. And I would, you know, consult with some of the staff and you know, obviously Coach G and you know, get his input and in, in what we were trying to accomplish there. Along those lines, um Obviously, there's certain things you you probably can't dive into, but um, you know, as it pertains to those um, winter workouts or the early mornings, cold mornings, I know uh, Coach G you know, referenced this as far as uh, he said back in his day playing for Coach Leclaire, you know, he had them crawling under under barbed wire and so forth in the what is now the Pirate Premium lot, the old white lot. Oh yeah, for longtime Pirate fans and. Uh, crawling through the mud, but, you know, for that, for someone that has not played college athletics or specifically baseball in this case, just uh, tell folks what those workouts are like, uh, you know, very challenging both physically and mentally. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were definitely demanding, Um, you know, we would have guys, you know, line up and I remember Lane Hoover's freshman year, you know, in the summer, um, you know, I would tell the guys very specifically, how we were going to stretch and exactly how to do like a, a world's greatest stretch where you come up, you grab your knee, you pull it to your chest, you step out in almost like a lunge position, you get your elbow to the ground, more like a groin type stretch. You do a hamstring stretch and then you kind of go into the next one. And, you know, one of the big things was like attention to detail and you know communicating and being aware of your surroundings and what your teammates are doing and, and things like that. And, you know, that this, you know, I was talking with Lane about it. I don't know. He came to our grand opening that we had a few weeks ago and then we went out and had dinner and, you know, we were talking, he's like, man, when, when he messed it up, it was, it was pretty funny looking back on it. It wasn't funny for them at the time, but um, you know, they messed up and I was like, Hey, this is exactly how we want to do it. I had Lane demonstrate it, come out. Does anybody have any questions? Do we understand what we're trying to accomplish here? Yeah, man. Yeah, BG, we got it. So blew the whistle. We did it again. Lane doesn't do it properly. So it's like, all right, everybody backpedal the home plate and back. And we were on the practice football field on the turf. So, you know, just allowing them to understand that there's, you know, there's consequences for, for everything. And, you know, there's things that, you know, positive, negative, that's just life in general. So, you know, they, they quickly learned as freshmen coming into our program that, you know, this is the way we do things. 
And yeah, I mean, the early morning workouts and we would run 300s early in the morning, um, you know, kind of do things that we need to do there. And you know, obviously in the weight room, it was pretty challenging as well, but it was challenging mentally, physically. There would be times where I would, you know, switch the order of things um, to make sure that, you know, they were, they were locked in and just able to come in and do what was asked and, and not necessarily, you know, worry about the X's and O's just, all right, what do I have to do right now? And then what do I have to do after that? And how do they take care of their teammates within that as well? You referenced Lane Hoover, obviously uh, very fondly thought of by, by Pirate Nation and with the career he had and Cliff referenced or said multiple times during the 2023 season, just that, you know, when he, when he took him out of the lineup, he said, he said, Hey, I, I had to be an idiot for not playing the guy in it to, to his credit. And um, whether it's Elaine Hoover or Spencer Brickhouse, Bryant Packard, Alec Burleson, you know, so many great players you had the opportunity to, to coach. Yeah. Who are some of those guys that know were tremendous leaders um, and you know, why they stood out? Yeah, no, I mean, all, all those guys you mentioned were, you know, unbelievable uh, being able to, to be a, a little small part of, you know, what they did in their career, their college career, especially, obviously um, had a chance to work with Burley last off season. Um, his fiance at the time, now wife is, is from high point. So he would train this before we had the facility here at the lab. Uh, he was training with me in the garage out back and you know, be able to work with Packard and, and brick and, and watch what those guys have done. And, you know, washers here now talking about like a leader behind the plate and, you know, get things done for us. But there were so many guys that that led in in their own way, even if they weren't necessarily, you know, guys that that you know came up in the big the big spot at the plate or, or got the big strikeout or whatever. Like the the program breeds leaders and people that understand what we're trying to accomplish. And there's there's two ways to do things. It's the right way and then again. So I mean they learned that really early on and you know, there'd be times where some older guys didn't want to do stuff again. So they would make sure the younger guys were being pulled along and vice versa. Some young guys didn't want to do stuff again. And they, they would make sure, you know, we would give them the opportunity to to talk as a team, you know, when in different, um, you know, training environments and, and bring the guys up and kind of handle the situation. So as to answer your question, Bubba, like there's a, a too many leaders to mention, but there was a lot, I mean, Nick Barber, Turner Brown, there's so many guys that, were able to, in their own ways, like come up and and um, influenced their teammates on a positive in a positive way. So um, during your time in Greenville, what was some of your top mer- memories? Excuse me. Uh, obviously, in 2018, the Pirates hosted a regional, and then the following year hosted a regional once again, and were able to uh, capitalize and win at that time. Yeah, I mean, winning the conference, winning the conference tournament down in Clearwater, and the team was pretty awesome. Um, you know, just that 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 environment was awesome um, for the guys. Obviously, there wasn't a whole bunch of fans there, some pirate fans everywhere, but that was a really cool one. Um, the year when we when we played Carolina, Friday night at our place, Saturday in Durham, and then Sunday in Chapel Hill, was outstanding. Um, I think that was probably one of Trey Benton's best outings on Friday night. In Greenville, we beat them two to one, and then you know we go to their we go to Durham, and I mean Brick hits a bomb to to I believe dead center, and you know we ended up losing that game, but then you know, we come back and beat them twelve nothing at their place on Sunday it was pretty awesome. 
um, you know, the 19 regional when we beat state. And I think I mentioned this on pirate radio the other day, but when, when CG went and got Agnes, it was, it was pretty awesome. Um, there's just so many different, different memories as, you know, as I was watching the intro video, like there's so many different, different things, like just watching guys, you know, run around, run around the outfield when we won. And, you know, those little moments, there's just so many from us winning, competing and, and, you know, my wife and I being a part of East Carolina baseball. And obviously you're a little biased telling you you're a pirate alum, but at the same time, there's no denying, you know, where this program is um, as far as the college baseball landscape is concerned and consistently in the top 15 in attendance. And then also um, over the last several years, the, the product on the field. Right. So, um, I guess what December 2020. Um, tell us about that opportunity you had within the LA Dodgers organization. Yeah, so was able you know had an opportunity to go work with what I at the time believed and still do is one of the best performance departments um, in the on the planet as far as you know sports go. Um, you know the folks over there, Brandon McDaniel, Brian Stoneberg. Carl Cochin, Eric Yavarone, Travis Smith, from the leadership side of things, um, you know, the picture that they painted for me and what I was going to be able to accomplish and learn was one that was really hard for me to leave. Obviously, one of my favorite places on the planet in Greenville, but at the age that I was at, and you know, with two young kids, it was it was something that I felt like I needed to do, um, and being able to go learn and be a part of a lot of minor league and major league rehabs and learn a different way of doing things from a training standpoint to elicit the response of what we're trying to do on the field was, was really, really impactful for me. And it's allowed me, you know, to do a lot of the things that I'm doing today. And obviously from a networking standpoint, but more, more so from a knowledge and development standpoint as a, as a performance coach and understanding the game a little bit more, um, was definitely helpful for me. What were some of those top memories and as far as what you were able to see transpire on the, on the field during your time in that organization? Yeah. I mean, when there, there was several, several big league rehabs, um, AJ Pollock came back, Seager was there. Um, I was in Arizona. So, you know, got to, to work with a lot of those guys, seeing spring training, being a part of, the development and rehab process in a way that I hadn't before. Um, you know, Womack and I worked hand in hand in uh, in my time at East Carolina, but having the the opportunity to to talk with understanding from the front office side of things, from the physical therapist side of things, from the coordinators, from the field coaches to the affiliate managers and hitting coaches. And there's just so many more, I guess, stakeholders within a professional organization than there is college athletics and especially just one team being able to communicate and learn and have just so many more people that are doing things at the highest level of the game was so impactful for me and set me up to, to really continue my career. What all went into that decision to, to get out of professional baseball and go into what you're, you're currently doing, uh, I, I guess what um, about three years now, two two two, two years, two yeah yeah. So I mean the 
the what it was it's really simple so it was um you know my wife and i we were in the minor leagues we had two little boys and we were in four states in a year so we were you know we have a place in emerald isle so in the off season we were staying there um we were out in la a little bit working with some of our, our minor league. this was when the strike was going on so working with some of our minor league guys and things like that um and i shouldn't say strike i guess the lockout was going on um there was different things there and then you know we were in oklahoma and then i was in arizona and it was it was pretty tough on my wife and kids and it was one of those things where you know we just didn't feel like it was the best thing for us at that point in time with where our family was and we needed to make a change for for our family it was but i'll be honest with you it was one of the scariest things that i've done and i wasn't sure what the repercussions for my career were going to be but i knew that you know keeping my family together and you know making sure my wife and i's relationship was strong and you know being there for my boys would be way more beneficial than than any job in any um you know any job there that i could you know possibly leaving but then and, I, and thinking about it now it's still tough that you know I, w- I wasn't i'm not a part of it but I'm, I'm able to build things in a way that is conducive to a lot of different people to my wife my wife's you know she was working a full-time job as a health coach so she's the ceo of the ghost lab she runs a lot of our logistics and all of our scheduling things so like washer and rider and my schedules like she handles all that stuff for us she puts us in a situation to be successful and handles the parents and the billing. And, you know, she's in a spot now where she's feeling fulfilled. Our boys are feeling fulfilled. I'm home every night. I asked Hudson, my oldest the other day, I was like, Hey, do you miss Dodger stadium? And like me working for a team. And he like, kind of like scoffed. He's like, no, not really. And then I was like, why not? And he's like, well, you're home. Like you're home every, you're home every night. Like I can come to the facility whenever I want. And yeah, they obviously could when, you know, I was in Greenville and when I was in pro ball, but, you know, having the ability to dictate the schedule at this point in time in my life and where, where my family's at is, it's been really good for us. And, you know, like I was saying earlier, I, I uh, get to go do some things on my own time. Like I was you know, with Gavin this morning, I had an, another professional pitcher come in this afternoon and you know, had a high school kid this evening and you know, were doing a bunch of different things that, that are still very, very high level. Um, but it's on my time and I don't have to you know, necessarily be in a certain spot, you know, practice isn't at a certain time, games aren't at a certain time. I'm, I'm able to develop players, you know, when it makes sense for us and our family right now and, and learn how to, excuse me, learn how to grow a business as well. So it's, it's not a bad setup we got going on right now. You reference some very familiar names to Pirate Nation, Ryder Giles, Gavin Williams, Jake Washer. Uh, so tell Pirate Nation exactly what they're, doing for the ghost lab and also the travel organization carolina ghost because we have uh, johnny gardner was chiming in he said what is the logo on on bg's hat yeah yeah so so gavin so i'm, I'm training i'm still training gavin um so like all of his programming we're doing i'm doing that for him um wash is our director of catching performance um so he handles all the catching stuff here he does a lot of hitting lessons and things like that and just I mean, anybody that knows Washer, especially like our, our staff at, at East Carolina will appreciate this. Like he 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 handles a lot of stuff for me. Like the, the one of the main reasons is why I wanted him and and Ryder and some of these other guys that that I've coached to to be a part of of this business and the travel teams is is they know me pretty well. Like I know them 
obviously, but they know some of my strengths and, and most importantly, my weaknesses and what I'm not good at. And having them a part of that, it just takes a little bit of burden off me because I've you know had conversations with them. Well, hey, you're in this role because of X, Y, and Z, and this is what you know the business needs from you, and this is what we need from you to to for everybody to be successful. And you know that's that's been really awesome. But you know, Ryder's our director of player development. Um, Evan Volvo is going to you know start doing some team stuff for us down in Greenville, in the Greenville area. Turner Brown's going to be one of our, our coaches. So it's uh it's pretty heavily pirate base and that was my goal um you know in doing this it was never never really had a thought process that i wanted to do travel teams um that kind of came up organically talking with you know some of these guys and you know opened up the facility it uh it just kind of made sense if if they're going to run it they're going to run the baseball side i'll run the performance side and the assessments and you know, we'll kind of run this thing like a, a minor league organization and make sure the you know the guys and our players have what they need and you know, continue to help them fulfill their dreams and pay, play baseball as long as they can and, and keep going to the next level. You talk about Wash, what an Iron Man he was during that 2019 uh, season in general, but then also that the regional run after the Pirates had that setback against Quinnipiac. Um, yeah. Bat, bat, battle back and, and, and Wash, I guess it was between the, the NC State game and then also um, the – the rematch uh, with with Quinnipiac, you had Wash just went on a tear. What hit three or four bombs? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he sure did. And uh, it was, I mean, I was one of the talk about a cool moment. Like I'll I'll never forget Wash coming around third base at one point, and like he he cranked that ball, and he's like, "Holy crap, what is going on?" I don't know if that's the exact words he used, but it was just like, "Good lord!" Like he was crushing balls and you know putting balls over the trees and probably onto Charles. But it was yeah, that was a fun time. And you talk about Gavin. Gavin obviously pitched very well uh, in 2023. Unfortunately, not able to get as many wins. I just didn't have the run support. Um, but, um, but man, did he pitch well once he got that call up with the Guardians. Yeah, yeah and that was, you know, another cool moment. You know, Emily and I got to go to Gavin's debut. And it was, you know, Coach Deeds, CG, and Emily and I, you know, on the field for, for BP and, you know, watching that and being able to be there was a uh, was a really cool, really cool time. And then going, being able to go out to eat with with those guys, with Deets and CG and and, and my wife, it was uh, it was a pretty special time to be there for Gavin. And again, like if I'm working, you know, for the Dodgers or you know potentially you know a, a different college team, like I don't know if that's possible. So um, I th- yeah, I think God puts us in places and puts us in, in situations that obviously that we're meant to be in. And you know, right now I'm I'm feeling really good and really lucky to be kind of in the situation that I'm in right now. Another former pirate that's a pitcher in the big leagues is of course, Sean Armstrong. And um, tell us about Sean's role. I, I know you were telling me off the air that, that he's a part owner. With yeah. The, yeah. So with Sean, organization. Yeah. Yeah. Sean's amazing. Um, he's a, he's a part owner in the, in the lab here in the facility. And you know, he's just been, he's so far he has been a really, we, we've only been open like seven or eight weeks to this point. Um, but he's been amazing being able to like bounce ideas off of and to help, uh, he's kind of mentoring Ryder a little bit. And as far as the pitching side of things go and and how to reach track man and how to develop arms and, you know, just those different things. And, you know, when I have questions, I can bounce ideas off of them, but, you know, uh, him, him and I's past didn't cross while we were in Greenville, but 
you know, just being in being East Carolina guys and being in you know the baseball world, they've they've kind of come to that. Uh, our paths have crossed, and we've you know developed a really cool relationship and bouncing ideas and learning from each other. And at the end of the day, developing you know players that come through here to to continue to go on. And yeah, he's he's a part of just the lab. Just so uh, everybody knows, he's not a part of the teams, but just part of the lab, and he's crushing crushing that. We, of course, have plenty of East Carolina alums and fans in the Piedmont part of our state. And with that being the case, you know, whether it's East Carolina fans or just others who may happen to hear this and you know, tell them as far as the location of your facility, how they can find out the information. And you know, if they want a pitching lesson from Ryder Giles or a hit lesson from Jake Washer or uh, some work behind the plate uh, as a catcher, you know, and just all those uh, things that your facility offers, you know, or on the strength side and you know, speed development side with yourself. And I know you said Jeff Connors, who's part of our team here at the Sports Objective and host Absolute Empowerment each and every Monday night. Uh, he's going to be there very soon. Yeah, Coach C is coming up not this Saturday, but the following, the 10th, to do a speed clinic. And we actually just posted about that today a little bit to me you know, 50 bucks to, for, for athletes to come in and watch. And you know, we're, we're inviting like coaches and, you know, athletes of all different sports, but I think it's really important that the, um, that the baseball world understands like true speed and acceleration. And, you know, I've, I got a little gray in my beard. So I've, I've been around this game and in, in the performance world for a little bit now and the way he teaches it and the way that, you know, his athletes are able to, to put force in the ground and, you know, overcome inertia and all the stuff that, you know, C talks about. It's going to be really fun for, for the folks around here to, to listen to and learn from. Um, but as far as, you know, being able to, to learn more about what we do here at the lab, we're, we're, we're still working on a website. We're almost done with that. Um, but right now you can go on Instagram, look it up, look us up on the ghost lab and see, and then shoot us an email if you want to set up, you know, some different lessons and things like that. But we have a whole, our whole listing of, of our offerings. So, ghost uh ghost lab nc at gmail is our email address and can send us an email and we can get everything set up that'll go straight to emily and she'll decipher you know who needs to communicate with the clientele after that sounds great and we, we appreciate you being so generous with your time with 45 minutes uh, and would love to have you back on you know where we can talk more specifically about you know, some some of the training elements uh, uh, in terms of recovery and so on and so forth yeah, let's do it. You let me know. I would love to. Pirate Nation, that is former ECU strength and conditioning coach and the owner and operator of the Ghost Lab. Of course, that is Brandon Golden. And um, Brandon, we'll talk to you real soon. And let's let's hope it's an excellent 2024 for ECU baseball. I know it will be. That's right. Thanks, Bubba. Now let's bring in author Bethany Bratcher. And you know, I know some some big news. Dropped here in the last couple of days and here, I guess, uh, oh, about two and a half months from now, Pirate Nation will have the opportunity to get its hands on your, your most recent book. And, and that is Never Take This for Granted, talking about the relationship that exists between um, Pirate Nation and, of course, the ECU baseball program. Yes, it is very exciting. Uh, this is a book that I've probably enjoyed the process of putting it together and just conceptualizing how to do it and the stories to tell and the interviews. I mean, none of it has felt like work um, from the beginning. So 
it's been really fun for it to become public, even though a lot of the people I've talked to, which I think was 50 some odd people, obviously knew and people I was hanging around with um, as I kind of followed the team last season were certainly aware as well. So it has, it's just been a treat. And so just to have people, you know, yesterday I had someone say, how can I get an early copy? I said, well, the thing is it it hasn't been printed yet. So, <laughs> but I appreciate the eagerness and, and can't wait until we can have it in our hands. Yeah. I'm very excited. Um, had caught a little bit of wind of it. I, I didn't know exactly what was going to be happening, but um, from Jared Plummer, who runs the at ECU jungle account on X, you know, he said, stay tuned for some exciting news. And, and this is definitely very exciting. This is something, um, a relationship that goes back several decades. I, I think back to, to my childhood during the coach Gary Overton era and uh, at old Harrington field and some of the good times that were had in the jungle, albeit a much different jungle than the one that currently exists. Yeah, it was really fun to get to hear some of those Harrington Field stories. I moved here in 1999, but I had a lot of little babies and I never went to a game out there. So I regret that now, but it's it's just been amazing to hear, you know, people like Tony Brown and Charlie Martin, the OG jungle, um, you know, kind of founders talk about Harrington Field and and others like Heath Clark. Um, I talked with Heath who played there at that field and his mom, Glow Clark, was legendary. She's a fan and out there who was one of the people that kind of instigated building the makeshift bleachers out at Harrington. So, you know, the beginning of so many of the traditions that have endured and are such an important part of the Clark LeClaire experience, you know, had their roots at Harrington. So, that was one of the things I was determined to get is to talk to some of those old time fans who were out there when it was just a few guys standing out there eating hot dogs or cooking, you know, ribs on the grill. Yeah. And Dr. Henry Van Sant uh, was a regular out there and of course has a, a seat um, memorialized uh, you know, in, in his honor in center field. I, I recall him, you know, killing a lot of popcorn at, at the old Harrington field in the, in those, um, that row or two of seats that were constructed in center field. Yeah. It's, but, it's uh, my, one, go ahead. I was going to say one of my favorite stories that uh, it, we go into detail in the book, but Tony Brown told me is, you know, they were, they were building those stands during a double header. And so they were getting, they, you know, they had a plan and they came with tools and lumber and everything. And if they needed more then glow Clark would get on the phone to bill Clark and, and get what they needed, but they built it throughout a Saturday during a doubleheader and they would just stop the construction whenever the game was being played. But anytime there was an inning change or a pitching change or between games, they would furiously start, you know, <laughs> start the process again and finished it in a day as they watched two ball games, which is some pretty great multitasking. You talk about having conversations with more than 50 people um, in writing this book and we'll dive into that a little bit more, but um, you know, found this pin quote or pin post on X. Um, and again, this is Jared Plummer at ECU Jungle. He said, um, just talking about, um, don't take this for granted. He has that a lot on his baseball post on X. And, you know, he's talking about every aspect of it and just enjoying all the success that the program's having, That whether it's, you know, the jungle jumping after, after wins or series sweeps. Um, putting up the the broom on the sweep pole in left field, which used to be the sweep tree at old Harrington field and just 
embracing everything that comes with winning baseball. Yeah, and in fact, normally Jared puts never take this for granted, and I have decided with his permission to use that as the title for the book because it so beautifully sums up you know, the attitude of pirate fans that are just always kind of propelled by hope and by the, you know, the knowledge that their team's going to be great year after year, but their love for the program, no matter what. And um, so it was really fun because he's, he was also kind of my right-hand man through this process of helping connect me with people and find phone numbers and find pictures. And as you know him, he's very quick, very responsive and, and helpful in every way. So it was fun to kind of evoke that account a little bit in, in the title of the book. What were those initial conversations and, and thoughts like, you know, that, that gave you the, the passion to, to write a book like this? Well, it was funny. My first book was Coaching Third, The Keith LeClaire Story, which I've been on your show to, to talk about in the past. And that book came out in 2010. And since then, I'm right here in Greenville. I live, you know, two miles from Clark LeClaire. But I have not written another East Carolina book unless I wrote a book about George Whitfield and he did coach at East Carolina a little bit, but George did so many other things. So other than that, I've written this, this book coming out in April will be my 16th book. So 14 books in the middle have been about other things. Um, some have been more, more than half have been books for other people like collaborative contractual, either ghostwriting or someone paid me to write a book about something in particular and it was really their book. Um, so many enjoyable projects. But all along the way, it was kind of like, I think it's time to come back home in my writing. And I used to write for um, Bonesville.net. And I haven't done anything specific to ECU in years. And so I guess it was um, the end of the 2022 season. And some friends of mine said, I think it's time for you to write another ECU baseball book. And I thought, oh, huh, maybe. And so my plan and what I decided to do was to follow the team kind of throughout the 2023 season more closely than I had, even though I'm a fan and I'm, I'm out at the games usually as a fan. So I got press credentials and, and sat down with Malcolm Gray and Chip Welsh over at ECU and said, yeah, I want to follow the team. I don't know what this is going to be yet. And they said, okay, great. And they were incredible. And they were like, here, we'll give you press credentials, which, you know, for someone who was like, I'm not really writing anything yet. And I'm not sure what it's going to be. They were very kind. And so I started out sitting in the press box, um, which brought me back to my old sports writing days where I did that all the time. And pretty soon I was like, ah, I think I'd rather be in the jungle. So I kind of moved out to the jungle and have a lot of friends who sit out there. I have a lot of friends who love the pirates. And so just started talking to people and running my tape recorder every chance I got and just collecting stories and thinking, maybe I'll make this book about the 2023 season, depending on what happens or maybe it'll be something else. And, you know, when the Pirates uh, stopped short of Omaha, I thought, I, I think what I want to do is really focus on these stories that these people are telling me about kids who have made, you know, Pirate baseball community sort of their community. Some kids who who have struggled to maybe make friends or have, you know, they have some special needs and, and there's some kids like that out there that are just extraordinary. And they have found this they've been embraced by pirate fans. So some of those types of stories are, or about relationships between players and fans that just go above and beyond um, with the high character players that come into this program who go to a kid's little league game, even though they don't have time to do that, but they've told a kid they're going to do it. So I had so many of those. And then these committed uh, jungle dwellers and, and in the stands, you know, that I've, I've got some great stories about fans that sit in the third base area and the first base area and, 
right behind home plate who are loud and faithful and everybody knows who they are. <laughs> if you go, you know who I'm talking about. And so, what I, yeah. So what I realized was this is unique in, in the culture um, of what this program has. I, I, you know, it's rare in the college baseball world. And I know I don't live in the middle of every college baseball community, but I know that what we have here is unique. And um, I just was so excited about kind of painting that picture and, and getting to be creative in the way I did it and who I talked to because I talked to opposing players about their experience. And I talked to players, parents and players themselves and a lot of fans and coaches. I mean, it's kind of runs the gamut. I interviewed Phil Moore, who's um, the custodian over at the ECU baseball offices because he has incredible relationships with the players. And so every time I would hear a story that kind of, summed up what the the ethic and the the hope and the spirit of this program was i would just go talk to that person and the way it came together i just think is a beautiful thing um really really loved getting to do it and so many of the people i interviewed are my own friends who i've known for 20 years and i've never gotten to do a book like that before you talk about opposing players uh, brandon golden and i were sharing a story i believe it was off the air talking about Cincinnati left fielder Tommy O'Connor getting the sausage dog uh, <laughs> during last season. And Josh Thomas, uh, who's part of the left field jungle crew, you know, shot shot that video. It was nice enough to let us use it on our YouTube channel. And it, it received probably six or 7,000 views and, and a lot of funny comments. Yeah, there's so many great stories like that. You know, I interviewed the two um, Quinnipiac players, um, Anthony Cruz and Colin Donnelly from 2019. And of course, I mean, that was an unforgettable uh, Quinnipiac moment <laughs> when they were able to beat the Pirates in that first game. But those two players, you know, Colin Donnelly had kind of come in talking a little trash to the jungle and, and he actually knew Jake Kuchmaner from summer ball. And so they had, they had sort of a relationship and there was a lot of that backstory that I was able to cover in the book, but just those two guys had incredible times uh, with, with the jungle um, guys to the point where they still keep up. They keep up with, with some of the jungle fans. And, you know, when I talked to them, I said, you need to come back and go to a game. You would have the best time at a tailgate. And, you know, but it's, it was such a huge moment. That weekend was so big for them, obviously. And, and like Anthony, it was his senior year and it was his final game on the team. And for them to finish their career here in Clark LeClaire with the kind of fan support and excitement and support of them. I mean, they became fan favorites. Um, it was amazing. And another one I interviewed was Jordan Smith from George Mason last year. He was a center fielder and I was out there and I was just watching the way he was interacting with the center field fans. And I thought this is something special. And that was a lot of fun um, to, and then the third kind of in that category is Chris Kaler because he's a pirate now, but he played on the other side last year uh, with George Washington in the season opening series. And so it was really unique to talk to somebody who had been on both sides and had, you know, just embraced what he experienced as, as an opposing player and then had the opportunity to come play. And, I, you know, I can't wait to see him pitch as a yeah. player. Neither can I. Um, definitely, you know, has the opportunity to potentially be in the rotation for the Pirates this year and um, will certainly be a, a key part of that pitching staff. And like you said, it's such an interesting perspective because, you know, he, he had the chance to – to pitch um, for George Washington at East Carolina and, and then see what it's all about. And 
Uh, I can only imagine how exciting it was for him to have the opportunity to to join the program. But uh, you know, right now, um, as we continue to talk about, never take this for granted. The new ECU baseball book by Bethany Bradshaw that will be released uh, coming up in April. I'd like to welcome in my co-host Kyle Barber. Kyle, how are you? What's going on, Bubba? Uh, sorry to join the podcast so late. I've had a lot going on tonight. Um, a lot of unexpected things that came up. So I uh, apologize to you and our guest, uh, Bethany, and our previous guest. But uh, I'm here now, and uh, you know, I'll you guys carry on, and I'll jump in because um, uh, uh, obviously uh, I'm a little. I, I don't even know where, where you guys are on the conversation, so I apologize. We're just we're we're discussing just um, you know what a unique book this is because not only does Bethany get the perspective of pirate fans, but also current and former pirate players. And then also opposing players, um, such as, you know, obviously Quinnipiac came in and upset the Pirates in that 2019 regional before East Carolina bounced back and, and took them and then NC, or NC State and then Quinnipiac and Campbell to, to win the region. Well, the title never take this for granted. With that, it, it was it inspired by Keith LeClaire or, or Parker, Parker Bird or, or both or none of the above? Or what was the title of the book uh, alluding to? Primarily, um, it's something I kept seeing on the the Pack the Jungle um, account on Twitter.com. Can I call it Twitter.com? Because that's just what I like to do. Um, (laughs) A lot of people still call it Twitter instead of X. Well, it is still Twitter.com. So that's where I'm. I was like, then I can keep calling it that. But anyway, um, I I love just what it expresses in terms of the, the spirit of pirate fans and and so I kept seeing Jared Plummer, you know, post that um, whenever something great happened. And and just that it says what we have here is special. It endures regardless of the way the postseason goes or the way the season ends or the record. You know, what we have here is something special that nobody else really has. And, and players who come in can attest to that, that they've never seen anything like it. And so I the never take this for granted. It's just such a you know great way to express that. So. Um, it's just very early. I knew that that's what it needed to be called. Yeah. And, and, and it, but it just rings so true to me thinking about coach mm-hmm. LeClaire and, yeah. you know, uh, and, and, and Parker, et cetera. I mean, just, right. just big picture. I mean, the title is so appropriate for ECU baseball, whether you meant it that way or not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. yeah, there's, there are a whole lot of people who have, have kind of dealt with real life struggles that go beyond baseball and have been supported by this community in extraordinary ways. Those two that you named, obviously. And, you know, uh, it was uh, uh, probably comes as no surprise that Parker and Parker's story are highlighted in the book as well. And I'm so grateful for that. And like me, along with everybody else who follows this team, can't wait to see what's ahead for that young man. Definitely. And when you have the success that ECU baseball has had, I mean, throughout its history, but especially here of late, you know, taking it to another level where we're consistently in super regionals and, uh, and you're having so much success on the field, but also off, um, be it in the classroom or in the community. Um, Cliff Godwin and, and his staff make sure these guys excel in every facet. And um, it, it's very easy, you know, when you fall short of that goal of Omaha to, because that is you know, such a, a passionate, and, and just kind of a sticking point for for Pirate Nation wanting to get to Omaha so badly that uh, you know when you do fall shy, it's easy to overlook 
um, you know, from the outside looking in, at least, um, just what was truly accomplished and and do just that, take it for granted. Yeah, it really is. And, and I think because in all of these conversations and I got to sit around a lot of kitchen tables and go to people's homes and, and just to see the way this team and the, the love and devotion that fans have for this team have changed these families, have changed kids, have brought people closer together. I mean, there's some really heartwarming things that, um, sports can do that. And way back, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty old. So way back when I decided I wanted to be a sports writer, when in, like in the late eighties, um, I had a couple of experiences that just showed me that sports are so much more than the box score and, you know, the results that sports really can endure in ways that, you know, I had not thought of before I started to read some things, the movie field of dreams, believe it or not played into that. And it was like, Oh, there's magic here. And I think with ECU baseball, if you really start to look for it, even if you're just out there for a great game and hear the crowds and you're part of things, you go, this is, this is something that is special and we're blessed to be part of it. Honestly. You talk about uh, the special relationships that exist. Uh, I think of Reed Haddock. I believe you re may have referenced him earlier. Yeah. And uh, just uh, the relationship that he he's developed with multiple players, I believe, but um, definitely Zach Agnos and that lead in to the Zach Agnos walk up song. That was awesome. Mm -hmm. It was amazing. Yeah, I had the best time talking to Reed and and his parents, and he's certainly one. His spirit, and he just I've been out there with him, you know, watching him in left field, and and you watch him deflate and inflate with the fate, you know, with what's going on on the field. I mean, he follows it. He knows every the lineup backwards and forwards. He was like telling me the blow by blow of Travis Watkins home run at the 2016 regional. And I think he was five in 2016. I was like, Reed, <laughs> how old were you? You know, and then he also proceeded to tell me how they were going to make it to Omaha in great detail. And I had my recorder running and I thought I'm going to hold on to this <laughs> because he had it all figured out. So He's extraordinary. And there are a couple other kids, you know, that I got to talk to like, like that. And um, it's just amazing because, you know, they don't do it because they have to, the players do it because they want to, but they really spend time with kids like that. Kids that want to know them and have a relationship. They, they give them so much of themselves and, and they go above and beyond. And it's not just going out to the children's hospital or something in an official team capacity, although they do those things their true authentic relationships where there are families in this town that have kind of adopted players and, and it's meant the world to both sides. Um, so that kind of thing is just a lot of fun to see um, and to realize the long-term effect it has long after those players are gone from Greenville. And Jared Plummer's a regular out there and um, in one of Jared's crew, you know, he's, he's right there consistently, you know, with, um, Brian Dilday and his family. Uh, I think of Brian and uh, you know the that megaphone. Uh, his wife Corinne was a, a cheerleader for East Carolina back in the day, and you can tell Brian has that voice of a um, elementary PE teacher, just, just, just like myself. <laughs> yeah, it's incredible. I mean, the ironic thing is he, you know, he's the father of the megaphone, but he really doesn't need the megaphone. Um, but I, one of my favorite days, evenings in the process of writing this book is I spent about two and a half hours pretty early in the season when 
ECU went to Houston to play a series over the weekend, which that wasn't the best weekend for ECU. But um, I watched one of those games at the plumber's house with the Dildays. And so we were watching the game and we're having snacks and everything. And they just talked. And I, I mean, I ran a recorder. It was, you know, two and a half hour tape. And I'm not going to give away all the stories, but just some amazing stories about early in their history in the jungle, um, particularly Brian and Corinne's. And some kind of, um, I call them traveling megaphone stories, some of which have been circulated, but some of which I don't think have been as much of the times that they just go places with the megaphone. And sometimes that ends well and sometimes it doesn't, but just hilarious stories. But they are not afraid to um, go to great lengths to show their fandom anywhere they are. And, um, you know, a time that Corinne snuck a fake tree into um a stadium. I think that one was in Wilson in her pants leg. <laughs> so there's some amazing stuff there, just tidbits. And it was so much fun. And he really is the heart of that jungle, you know, in terms of when he's not there, because he's got work or one of his kids have an event, you can tell, you know, when he comes back in, it's like, okay, <laughs> everybody exhales because they feel like they're in good hands when he's at that megaphone. You're talking about a lot of relationships between people, um, you know, uh, players, fans, players and fans together, fans, you know, becoming like family, as you're talking about there. Um, what is the most, uh, I guess I'll use the word unique or surprising relationship you found through all this between uh, two fans or player and fans, just people that you think, if it wasn't for Pirate Baseball, probably would not be friends, and now they are they have a great relationship with each other? There's several. Um I'll mention a couple. Al Glover, who is a you know really faithful fan, um, he has this kind of really unique relationship with with Lane Hoover's dad, Denny. And you know, kind of the story behind that is Julia and Denny Hoover didn't know where to sit when they it, at Lane's first game as a freshman because Lane hadn't told them where the parents were supposed to sit. So they just bought tickets and ended up over on the first base side, away from where most of the parents were. But uh, Denny met Al, and and they both would say that they're each other's best friend. You know, and you know, Al has been a guy that's just tries to be there for players who need, you know, their car breaks down in the middle of the night, they'll call him, that kind of thing. They need someone to help them change a tire. Or, um, and then when Lane had that terrible facial fracture injury down in Georgia, you know, he stayed at Al's house for weeks wow. and had his jaw wired shut and they had to feed him applesauce. And, you know, that was just a crazy thing. But the Hoovers, who were four and a half hours away, knew they could trust him with their son because they had that relationship that was just randomly born out of this you know, meeting at the beginning of a game in Clarkville player. Um, I love that one. There's also a little girl who's really good friends with Reed Haddock and her, and his neighbor, her name is Haley Cherry. And she just became very attached to Josh Moylan and Josh became kind of part of that family. And she just, her passion and her heartbreak when he was a free agent and left, you know, for the Yankees when after he wasn't drafted. So she had all this hope that he was going to come back for another season, but she just tickled me. I mean, she watches, she's an 11 year old girl, 12 now, I think who watches games on repeat. She'll go to YouTube and watch old games and wow. sit and listen to sports radio. Um, and it keeps it's, that passion. Yeah. It's because of Josh and her family, you know, they, they're pirate fans. They go to things, but they have a new level of dedication to baseball because of her and because of their relationship with him. And, and there was something she said to me, she was talking about when she found out that Josh was leaving for the Yankees and, and she was just crying. And she, she said to me, I just cried and cried. And, 
And my mom came in and she said, do you want to go to the mall? And I looked at her and I said, I don't think that's going to help. <laughs> you know, it's just that extreme emotion. But a little girl who, you know, most of the most middle school girls, that is not their focus. Um, but it just was really sweet. And and just to hear her parents talk about what it meant to them to see him, you know, Josh and and other players care for her. Um, it, it, it just meant the world to them. So those are those are a couple of the examples. You talk about the travels of Brian Dilday's megaphone. Uh, I won't dive too deeply into this because it may it's probably a story that's in the book. But um, did the story about the the trip to NC State? I, I want to say oh, it was sure. around 2009. Uh, okay, I yeah. figured that made, I figured that was uh, making the cut. Yeah, for sure. And actually, it's so funny because last year when I was traveling the team, I went to the the 2023 game at NC State, and um, you know, Brian didn't try to get his megaphone through the gate because he had been there, done that, and he didn't think it was going to work. But things were getting a little bit tense toward the end of the game, and and Pirates were trailing, but not by very much. And they were kind of over on the third base side, not not really in left field, the, the jungle crew, the left field crew. And the next thing I knew, I looked up and he had gone out to his car and gotten his megaphone and he had stuck it over the fence. So he was, you know, yelling as loud as he could from the fence line with the megaphone. I took a picture. It's going to be in the book. So it was just that kind of spirit of, hey, it's time for the megaphone and we're going to stick it over this fence and get it as much into this field as we possibly can. And, you know, I just, that just cracked me up. I wish I'd have known this book was in the works because I had some excellent pictures and you may have gotten your hands on some of these from the, the 2023 regional up at um, Charlottesville and the mm-hmm. University of Virginia, uh, of course, could not get the megaphones in. So, so the guys had the cardboard. Know, I, I have some because I was there. I was there with this is not a megaphone. <laughs> it's not a megaphone. And then the you know the stadium official came over and so they folded them flat and took the tape off and then he walked away and they folded them right back up. So it was a sign again for about 15, 20 seconds. And then it was a megaphone again. So yeah, I have some pretty good ones of that too. That was a great trip, even though it wasn't the ending of it wasn't great, but in terms of to see the way the pirate fans traveled and the way they transformed, you know, Disharoon field. I mean, I kind of cracked up when UVA put something on its Instagram about broken attendance records. And I was like, that was, you know, at least 40%, if not more pirate fans. (laughs) Um, But just to, here, you know, I, I heard some UVA fans kind of amazed at what they were experiencing and others were kind of ugly and um, the passions were high. I'll say that, as you know, because you were there, but it was a great experience. And um, I hung out with Chu and Sharon Justice, who are friends of mine who have a big uh, camper van and they travel everywhere with the Pirates. And they've gotten to know a lot of the players' families. So they tailgate. So there were just players' families stopping by the tailgate for the whole weekend. And, and I kind of got to experience it from that side as well. Yeah. I had a pretty funny picture that, that I'll share with you after the show, but during the East Carolina UVA game, I think it was the first, first meeting, but um, you know, that point in time, it was either a tied game or the pirates had the lead. And you know, some of our fans on the, on the third, excuse me, first base or right field line, were doing a purple gold cheer, you know, some loud cheering nonetheless. And uh, you saw an older UVA fan shatter finger center ears. <laughs> and so, so, I, so I, as you can imagine, I turned that into a meme and sent it to, to tens of pirates. Yes. But, uh, they got a good laugh from it. 
Excellent. Yeah, that's what you want to see. That's yeah. what you want to see. That's amazing. I love that. But as we wrap things up, you know, yeah. tell folks uh, all the particulars and, and the specifics of you know when the book will be released. I know you said sometime in April and yeah. you know, where, where they can buy it and you pre-orders and all those sorts of things. Sure. So um, I was awaiting the schedule release in November, you know, anxiously because I wanted to pick a good weekend, but I knew it needed to be April because of the time it took to finish the book and we have to get the printing done and all that. So we're, we're going to be cutting it close, but we'll make it. And when I saw Wichita State on the schedule, I thought that's the weekend, you know, that's going to be a big grudge match after last year. And it'll be warm. We released the um, coaching third during the Leclerc Classic and in 2010, and it was really cold <laughs> in early March. So I was like, maybe it'll be a little bit more spring-like. And so April 19th is the official release date. I know I have a book signing at Kaufman's Men's Wear on April 20th from 11 to 3. So Todd Howell, being Johnny on the spot, has already scheduled that and is doing promotions for it. Um, I know the book will be available at Daddy Student Stores, UBE, um, all the all the usual places, probably Barnes and Noble as well, and on Amazon and their pre-orders will be live March 19th. So a month before the book comes out, March 19th, and you can pre-order it on the website, ecubaseballbook.com. So we're trying to get the website live. Um, my publisher has had some issues with the host hosting company, and I don't know what's going on, but there's not much to say yet, but we will, we'll be putting some things up there you know, between now and when the pre-orders are, um, are official, and I'll just keep you guys posted so you can let your listeners know as well. Sounds great. So March 19th, and, April 19th. And Justin Butts chiming in saying, saying he looks forward uh, to being able to get his hands on the book and um, several others chiming in as well. Uh, I know it'll be an excellent read. I you know, really enjoyed coaching third. And uh, Kyle, did you have something else? Uh, no, looking forward to the book. Um, uh, I didn't even know about it. So uh, really looking forward to it as a surprise for me. So uh, I'll uh, I'll be looking forward to reading it when it comes out in April. Great. Well, I'll come back on and talk to you again when it comes out, if you guys would like. Definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We'll have some baseball to talk about then, so that'll be great. Absolutely. And hopefully we'll be talking about um, excellent first two months of the, the season yeah. and uh, you know, the Pirates positioning themselves nicely you know, for uh, a fifth straight AAC title and uh, hopefully hosting a regional again in 2024 but uh really appreciate you know half hour or so of your time bethany yeah. tell pirate nation how they can follow you on social media and um and also also re read your work sure well i'm easy my name is weird it's bethany bradshaw on everything so i have no it's just my name um on twitter.com and on instagram and on facebook so I'll be posting more details about the book and, and about um, website being live and anything that there is to say, we'll put it up there. So you'll know about it. And I know pirate fans are going to be excited. I sure am too. And I can't wait to get it into the hands of pirate nation. Again, appreciate the visit and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. You guys have a good night. All right. You as well. Pirate nation. That is Bethany Bratcher, the author of never take this for granted the new ECU baseball book that talks about the unique relationships that exist between Pirate Nation and ECU baseball fans at Clark LeClaire Stadium or wherever the Pirates are in action. So yeah, it, it should, be, uh, should be your read. Wait, sorry. 
No, I was just saying it should be a good read. But um, something else on the baseball front before we maybe discuss another topic or two and, and wrap the show up. Um, one of the things that some exciting news from the last few days, uh, I guess the first I heard of it, um, and I knew this was in the works, uh, but um, became official on Saturday night, or excuse me, I guess Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night at the baseball banquet, um, the annual ECU baseball banquet. Um, and it's really the signals, the start of a new season. And that is the 23 club ECU's baseball's uh, own NIL. Um, Mike Harrington and several former players are really spearheading that effort, but uh, smart with the momentum that team Boneyard has established to partner with them and keep everything under that hat. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Um, uh, you know, um, you should, when you ever, you're dealing with NIL, you should probably be real smart in who you partner with Bubba. Um, but with that said, uh, uh, glad to hear that there is an exclusive NIL for baseball. This, uh, teamed up with uh, team Boneyard. Um, obviously baseball is sport, you know, football is going to always drive the bus, but baseball, um, Baseball's the one that's always uh, the consistent winner, and uh, you know we really need to make sure we're competing at the highest level, and that's going to take NIL for baseball too. And they they do have their own web address, and just go to v23club.org, and then that will redirect you on to to where you can make a donation and they have several options. I think, you know, $10 a month, $23 a month, 50 a month, et cetera, or, um, uh, a one-time gift, uh, very much like what team Boneyard has, uh, set up for, for, um, all sports, uh, and for NIL purposes. So i um, definitely look forward to uh, Mike Harrington has agreed to come on the show and we'll have Mike on here in the, the coming days to discuss um, the 23 club and just talk a little pirate baseball. Yeah, that's good. I'm glad to hear that. And I'm glad to see ECU. Unfortunately in this day and age of NIL that we have to do it, but glad to see ECU fan base, um, take NIL seriously. And, but you know, it seems not just in baseball, but football, everything. It seems like that our approach to NIL has just changed dramatically over the last six months. Yeah, it really has. Um, I know we've, we've discussed it as far as just our perspective on pirate football due to what we've done in the, the transfer portal. And a large part of that has undoubtedly been as a result of Team Boneyard and the hard work those folks have done, um, getting some very generous donations and being able to bring in, you know, a Kate Hauser, Winston Wright Jr., uh, yeah, Omega Blake from South Carolina and some some very Garcia. Yeah, yeah um, Jake Garcia, some very nice pieces out of the portal. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, so it continues with baseball. And um, I, I think you got to do it. I know um, taking JUCOs and transfers has become a big thing in baseball, particularly the JUCOs. Um, and uh, that, you know, coach hasn't embraced that as much as some other coaches have. And, um, you know, it'll, it'll be interesting to see going forward with NIL and will we start embracing And I know we had, did take some transfers, but it'll be interesting to see if we start taking more and uh, in baseball and uh, NIL would have to be a large part of that. Yeah, certainly. And um, you know, 
you know, with with uh, with baseball, my thing, and this is something I've shared with you guys, and I know other programs are pushing for this. You know, with 11.7 scholarships in baseball, you know, looking at that difference between an in-state scholarship and you know, a lot of most East Carolina baseball players, if they're receiving scholarship money, and they're actually you know some very key contributors, starters, multi-year starters that. Uh, have not been receiving scholarship money just because of the way the system is and the way the money has to be divvied up. Um, you have the 25% rule. Anybody receiving scholarship money has to receive at least 25%, and that's been in place for several years now. So uh, with, with that being the case, uh, if someone is receiving scholarship money, um, most guys are between 25 and 50% uh, or thereabouts. Um, definitely no one much much beyond half of a scholarship and looking at that gap but between a you know 25% of an in-state scholarship or 25% of that out-of-state scholarship if the 23 club can generate a million or a million and a half annually that would put ECU baseball in tremendous um, position to be able to to really in essence have a full scholarship for each player on the roster if it chose to to use the money in that way yeah no doubt and uh it'll be interesting to see how the money is divvied out and you know um i the whole the whole baseball scholarship limit I, that should be raised anyway but i, I anyway um but no I, I i i like that idea um it'll be interesting to see what they do with the money very generous supporter uh, of the show. And we talk about uh, support and we appreciate Big Ed Watkins, Ed Watkins Marine, who came on board in 2024. And they're the title sponsor for Absolute Empowerment. But I uh, really appreciate Big Ed and his support of the program. They have two locations to serve you in and around the greater Charlotte area in Denver and Cornelius. Um, in Denver, they can be found on North Carolina Highway 16 Business. And then in Cornelius, they are located on West Catawba Avenue. Um, you can reach the Denver store, 704-483-BOAT. Again, 704-483-BOAT at the Denver store. And in Cornelius, uh, they can be reached 704-498-4985, 704-498-4985. Again, edwatkinsmarine.com. Fishing boats, center consoles, family-friendly bow riders, trailers, pontoon boats, engines utvs you name it they can help you meet all of your boating needs whether you're buying a new boat or repowering your existing boat yeah there you go uh, get on the water yep um it'll be boating weather before you know it so go ahead and take care of that existing boat or if you're in the market for a boat and um, that way when it warms up you're ready to roll but uh Speaking of ready to roll, you know, Absolute Empowerment had uh, its most recent episode last night, and that was with current Ohio State strength coach, assistant AD for football sports performance, and um, a guy that has nearly 40 years in the business. Also uh, spent time at Florida with Urban Meyer, Notre Dame, if I'm not mistaken, and um, has had the opportunity to be a part of three national title teams. And that's Mickey Marotti. So go back and check that conversation out that Coach C had with the current 
strength and conditioning coach of the Ohio State Buckeyes and um, longtime friend Mickey Marotti, who was at Cincinnati back in the, the 90s when Coach C um, was at ECU with Coach Logan during his first stint with the program. Ah, so Mickey worked for Rick Minner. Correct. Yep. Uh, had that had that connection there, and um, they actually, I think, dove into a story or two about that um, association and some of those old battles in between the Pirates and Bearcats back in the, the mid to late 90s. Ever tell you, um, I'm sure I have, uh, I, I don't know if I've ever told it on the air, um, so I'll tell, tell it on the air real fast. Um, I used to listen to the Conference USA Coaches Teleconference every week, okay? And this is this is dial-up internet days. And um, it was all the football coaches for the week, you know, from Steve Logan to Rick Menner, Jeff Bauer, you know, all these classic names, Chris Selfo, et cetera, et cetera, um, that were in Conference USA at the time. They would do their media calls for the week. And um, I had the number where you could call and listen. I, you know, I wasn't a media member at the time. I was just listening. And um, – a Rick Minner every week would be the most excited, but for some reason, it sounded like he was talking on a Sports Illustrated sneaker phone. I swear to God, he had a Sports Illustrated sneaker phone in his office. It was the worst sounding phone in the world. It, it would always, it was horrible sounding. But uh, anyway, that's just a terrific story that I'm sure everybody just couldn't live without. But uh, anyway, I, just just a quick little Rick Minner story. Yeah, I remember you sharing that with me, and that's funny. I remember that commercial uh, about the Sports Illustrated sneaker phone. Yeah, no, it was it was it was horrible connection. Yeah, of course, the Sports Illustrated sneaker phone was classic. Um, now it seems so friggin' lame, but at the time, as a kid, you wanted one. Because I I remember my I remember my dad laughing about it. Uh, I guess like you're saying, you know, he was, you know, he was. I guess at least, at least early to mid forties. <laughs> yeah. At least early to mid forties, my age. So he, it was a joke to him. He said, "Yeah, that just makes me want to go out and buy Sports Illustrated so I can get that phone." <laughs> yeah. But you wanted it, I'm sure, because you know I did. But I'm sure uh, I probably did because you know that was that was cool just to to ha just like when I got a phone that was you know a very simple, cheap, basic phone, but it played the ECU fight song, so it was awesome. I had a, uh, I had a, I was a uh, NASCAR fan growing up, and I had a, uh, a Kyle Petty uh, number forty-two Mellow Yellow diecast phone. It literally looked like a one twenty-four scale uh, diecast NASCAR car, uh, but it was a phone. Yeah. So before we get out of and this here, has, and this has been novelty phone chat. <laughs> hey. Um... As Dave would say, I guess I guess we're phone nerds. Right? We're phone nerds, absolutely. Novelty phone nerds. But um, before we get out of here, you have Pirates Unite, the Capital Campaign, and we've talked about Team Boneyard and contributing to NIL. But you know, we still need to get this IPF done, the indoor practice facility, long overdue. So if you have not contributed and you're able to do so, you know, go to ecupirateclub.com or call 252-737-4540. You know, I called the other day and Ryan Robinson himself answered the phone. Oh, really? Yeah, I, did I tell you that, Bubba? Yeah. Um, I'm sure you probably did, but. Uh, yeah, I called the other day. Being, I, I, he's being busy. I probably, I probably saw it and forgot about it. Yeah, I called. Uh, it may have been Friday. Um, I had a, uh, I had a question, um, 
and uh, you know, he answered the phone. Hey, this is Ryan, and I was talking to him, answering my question or asking my question. And suddenly, it occurred to me who Ryan was. <laughs> so I said, so Ryan, right? They got you answering the phone. So uh, you know, he um, then he wanted to know who it was, and I told him who it was, and uh, you know, he said, oh yeah, you know, sometimes I like to answer the phone and just get to know people. But uh, anyway, I uh, so Ryan, Ryan doing the hard work over there at the fire club, Ryan Robinson. They got Ryan working the phones. So uh, anyway, I thought it was pretty interesting. You, you don't expect to hear the hear the hit of the pirate club answer the phone uh, when you call to answer a question about your to ask a question about your donation. Right. And last I saw, I th- I, we were closing in on twenty million. I'm, 19 and change perhaps um the price tag going to be 23 to 25 million and then uh, the baseball ops building um and uh mezzanine you know, down the down the left field line you know, nice premium viewing area for pirate fans at clark leclerc um the price tag of that project is right around seven million and i believe we're right around five as far as money in hand but uh you know, thanks to generous donations, you know, of several former players as well as just loyal supporters of the program uh, that that are just fans. Uh, I mentioned Mike Harrington earlier. I know he and his family you know, in the real estate business um, down in the Wilmington area, and uh, they made a very generous six-figure donation, as uh, have multiple former players. Bryant Ward, current UCLA assistant coach, uh, his father, you know, who's long supported the program and uh, was an ECU golfer. Uh, and, and then, and then the, uh, and then the Earl Boykin, uh, you know, Boykin Sporting Goods in Wilson. I know you're familiar with Earl Boykin and his family made a, a generous $100,000 donation. Yeah, all the big donors really appreciate it. Of course, small donors too. It takes all of us, but the, uh, couldn't do it without the big donors. Um, so I uh, appreciate uh, their giving. Bubba, quickly, before we get out of here, um, I don't know uh, if, we've, if you mentioned it or not, if it's been all baseball talk, obviously a big win. Um, Sunday over Temple, um, the, uh, eight coming down from eight, winning in overtime by six, uh, big game against South Florida coming up. Yeah, Matt and I, we did discuss it on Pirate Basketball Overtime, but, but yes, a lot of momentum. Definitely have to shoot the ball much better, and just got 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 to shoot it smarter too. In, in overtime, um, clearly it was blatantly obvious. Temple was worn out, um, completely worn out, and uh, taking some of those long threes when you you could see they were that tired, and we were we we were much better conditioned. We should have been. I mean, we won it by six in overtime. We could have won it by twelve in overtime. We should have been driving the ball down their throats. They'd have fouled us every time. They were they were worn out. We should have been driving the ball to the basket in that situation. But got the win, so they can't complain. Yep. As you said, it was looking pretty bleak. You know, and Matt and I told the story, you know, of him thinking we lost. <laughs> <laughs> he was out to eat with his family and uh, So when did y'all do that? Was it was that Sunday night? I believe it was actually yesterday. Okay, I missed that. Yeah, uh, it was it was last night, um, Sunday night. You know, just different things going on, unable to do the show. Right. Yeah. And, and then um, decided to do one last night. You uh, know, I think this is the first. I, I don't remember. I don't know the last time I did a show. Bubba, can do you remember the last time I did a show? Uh, I think it was 
probably about two weeks ago. Okay, it seems like it was longer than that. I'm out of practice. I feel like yeah, it may 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 have been two two and a half weeks ago. Yeah, uh, it's been forever. I I you know I I uh, I I was having you know I was on the phone, had some important phone calls tonight, and I finally said, look, I got to go do part of the show, or people gonna think I'm dead. <laughs> it's it was, so dead. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, I think it was the show back on the fifteenth where we were talking about new new pirates from the portal. Okay. All right. So, uh, so there you go. Uh, what? Just over two weeks. Yeah. Seems like it's been longer than that. But um, yeah, I've uh, been a little MIA and uh, uh, just how it is these days. And we'll get refocused and hopefully all four of us can uh, get going here as baseball season is, is fast approaching and there will be a lot to talk about. And on the Pirate Club front, there was excellent news. In recent days, as far as um, day of you know, impact giving or the impact fund, is there? Oh, is there you heard about my donation? Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah, yeah, Kyle Barber turning heads on with his generous gift. Oh yeah, but, no, no, <laughs> yeah. But no, yeah. no. In all, in all, yeah. seri- in all seriousness, as you say, uh, I know you're. I know you're joking and just kind of poking fun at yourself. But uh, you know, all all gifts matter, and uh, you know a lot of. A lot of folks and you know, think, well, you know, I can only give a hundred, one hundred fifty, two hundred bucks, and we'll, well, then give it. Yeah, when, <laughs> when, 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 you, when you, no gifts too small, you know, when when you're, when you're uh, giving a couple hundred bucks. Hey, look, and, if you look, you look two hundred fifty bucks, like shit. I mean, that gets you to the second level. That's not even the minimum. The minimum's only right. hundred bucks. If you can give two fifty, yeah, you better be giving. You're gonna, you're gonna be a, a buccaneer. Yeah. Or a swashbuckler. Which one are you? I believe I'd have to go back and all those kind of blend together because I, I know the uh, I believe it's what the next level up. Or, yeah, but crew. the bottom level's crew. Then the next yeah, level up is either buccaneer or swashbuckler. I forget yeah. which one. So definitely, you can go to ecupirateclub.com and or just. Do the old school route two five two seven three seven forty five forty, and you know Blaze Hudson or one of the Pirate Club staff. And look, you can give monthly too. Even if you give as little as a hundred dollars, you can divide that up over twelve months if you got to. Exactly, you know about eight and a, eight and a half bucks a month. Yeah, exactly, and you know I, I, I think about that. I mean, if you uh, let, let's say you let's say you want to give two fifty, you you want to you, you want to do more than just the minimum. I mean, uh, what is that a month? About $21 a month for 12 months. Is that right? So uh, something like that. So, I mean, that's like two trips to Bojangles by yourself. Yeah. You break it up into manageable parts. But we appreciate everyone tuning in tonight. Um, Definitely we'll have more content headed your way. Very soon, um, we'll have Pirate Basketball Overtime on Wednesday night. Kyle talks about the momentum of that comeback win as the Pirates rallied from down eight in the final two and a half minutes against the Temple Owls, uh, looking to make it three straight on Wednesday as they will be taking on the South Florida Bulls. South have Florida. we ever won three straight in the American? We have not. <laughs> we, we attempted to do it earlier this year, but obviously failed. Uh, and so that, that gives you an idea of, of where this program's been, but then also that, uh, you know, we're we're making strides. 
never as fast as anybody would like, but uh, but four and four right now in league play, eleven and ten overall, and and a lot of good things could be a, ahead for for this team this year, uh, and if we can continue to play excellent defense and get a little better on the offensive end, better shot selection, and when we get them, knock them down. But um, the South Florida Bulls, again, coming in on tomorrow night, the Bulls, their best team that they've had in over 20 years up to this point, uh, 13 and five or 13 and six, and six and one, just a half game back in the American, very much in the wow. the championship hunt. Um, what a job that Abdur Rahim and that staff have done since coming in from Kennesaw State. Yeah, no, uh, I, South Florida having a very good season, um, along with Memphis, North Texas. You know, uh, the good league. Uh, I think Bracketology has us with th- us, meaning the American, three teams in the NCAA tournament. Um, so uh, add the NIT to that and perhaps CBI. You know, if, if we're a three-bid league and the Pirates can post a winning season, uh, we'll definitely get a CBI invite. The question is, will we'll take it? I would certainly hope so. Um, just with where our program is, yeah, I, th- I think it would be foolish to not do so. I agree with you. But yeah, but this Bulls team—they've won five straight and eleven of their last twelve. So um, we'll definitely have to continue to play that excellent defense and uh, step things up offensively tomorrow night. As uh, USF, I think, is averaging 76 or 77 points a game. Uh, as far as the Pirate Club's concerned, appreciate that. William Williams says the swashbuckler level is 250. So Swashbuckler, all right. Okay, so go. it goes from, from crew to swashbuckler. I was, uh, I was doubting myself there and didn't take the time to look it up, but uh, appreciate that, William, and you tuning in as always. And let's see, uh, Justin Butts. Uh, said that UVA regional atmosphere was great, uh, no doubt. <laughs> and then, LOL, he says uh, only issue was the four beer limit that sucked. And he said, he said, can we get a book of Kyle's greatest fifth quarter call-ins? LOL, a book. You just you, you want them written. We need an audio book. Yeah, audio audio book. <laughs> okay. Yeah, an audio book. I mean, you know, if you just want me to write down shit I've said, you know, if I can remember it. I'll uh, I'll see if we can do it. Clip Brock, Shirley Rose. Let's make that happen. Yeah. I'm doing it myself. I'm not (laughs) – Clip and Shirley are not going to profit off my words. And then you have Robert Matthews. Appreciate you chiming in. As always, Robert, he said our ECU baseball general admission season tickets sold out. Yep. Oh, not the jungle. Go ahead, Bubba. Yeah, no. I'm honestly – not 100%. Uh, I know last year they were. And I know when I when I checked with Coleman Spain at the ticket office uh, several weeks back, and we were ahead of last year's pace. But, you know, if you're interested, you know, you can give them a call. Uh, you know, worst they can tell you is no. And, you know, even if you're unable to get season tickets, of course, there'll be plenty available. You know, you can check the – hoist the colors um, – and then uh, obviously the other message on your banner, on your banner, on your banner, and then yeah. Facebook, Facebook groups. There, and then uh, uh, some of the uh, secondary ticket sites like uh, SeatGeek. Uh, what's the other ones, Bubba? Um, normally, 
TickPick is one that doesn't have fees. Um, I've not purchased EC baseball tickets through TickPick being a season ticket holder, but uh, I have used the TickPick app for for professional games in both NBA and uh, MLB and you know, very efficient, uh, no, no fees like some of the other secondary uh, markets and, and so forth, uh, you know, with uh, – with SeatGeek and different ones, um, so you don't have to pay. StubHub, StubHub is the one yeah. I was trying to think of. So, uh, so yeah, plenty of tickets to be had for for a lot of games. Um, just the nature of baseball and having thirty plus home games, you're gonna have you're gonna have those games where tickets are bought, but out of towners like myself that are three plus hours away just simply can't get there and. Pirate Nation, do everything you can. Uh, like Jeff Palumbo was urging Pirate fans in his interview with Hoist of Colors several weeks back, do everything you can to get those tickets into into the hands of other Pirate fans so we don't have empty seats. Yeah, no doubt, because even though we were sold out last year of uh, season tickets, there was a lot of games that were sparsely attended, uh, particularly early in the year. And uh, you know that, that could be a case with weather no matter – what you can give your tickets away, somebody else might want to go sit out in the cold. But um, you know, it, it, it it's a shame to have sold out season tickets and have two thousand people or fifteen hundred people there for for some games. But sometimes that's just the way it is with with weather and early season games. And it is remarkable the demand uh, you know for you know, some of those individual tickets. I mean, you, you had them going for a couple hundred bucks on, and pe- people were buying their season tickets with that one game. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when, when, when you when you have the in-state opponents coming to town, um, the demand is very high, uh, quality baseball in this area. And yeah, ECU, UNC, ECU, NC State, ECU, Duke, whoever, uh, Wilmington, it's, it's always going to be a draw. Charlotte yeah. now a conference rival. Yep. And speaking of Charlotte, um, that'll be a good way to close this edition of the program. The Pirates will be in Charlotte on Saturday afternoon. So all Western North Carolina Pirates, upstate of South Carolina Pirates, um, those that are within a you know two, three-hour radius of Charlotte and Halton Arena, get out to, to watch the Pirates. Um, Charlotte is currently tied with Florida Atlantic atop the conference at 7-1. and one. So we really need a strong contingent. Um, definitely have plenty of ECU fans and supporters, uh, alums in this area. Um, they showed up and showed out uh, against Charlotte last year in baseball and really painted the ballpark downtown purple and created a rowdy atmosphere. Let's do the same on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, Charlotte got us in football, so we need to return the favor in basketball. But uh, that will do it for this edition of the Sports Objective. Be sure to follow us on social media, on X of the Sports OBJ, on Instagram and TikTok of the Sports Objective. Like and follow us on Facebook and subscribe to our YouTube channel. You know, And when you subscribe on YouTube, be sure to click that notification bell and all. That way, anytime we go live or upload new content, you're alerted on your device. But uh, for Kyle Barber and then, of course, also Brandon Golden and Bethany Bratcher, our two guests on this show, and as well as the absent 
Dave Richmond and Matt Semenza. You've been watching and listening to the Sports Objective. We'll talk to you soon. And as always, go Pirates. You're watching the Sports Objective, the podcast for Pirates.